0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Hallelujah. In your Bibles, you can turn to... Let me find my first scripture here. 1 Corinthians. Thank you, brother. Chapter 6. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 this evening. We're going to begin a series on the will of God. And you know, when you say that, or you use that terminology, use that phrase, it paints a very broad picture from uh, everything from what is the will of God to uh, how do I find the will of God, Uh, what do I do when I find the will of God, how do I implement the will of God, how do I walk in the will of God, how do I stay in the will of God, how do I complete the will of God, and how do we pass the will of God on to the next generation? So there's a whole lot to it. So we're going to take our time and go very slowly. Uh, uh, It was not my my plan to teach this direction. Something happened to me a couple of weeks ago. And in what happened, uh, the Lord uh, showed me a couple of things, said a couple of things to me, and said, now you begin to to research, simulate, and transmit the revelation I give to you. So I'll just tell you what happened. I think I mentioned it on Sunday morning. A couple of weeks ago, I went fishing on a Saturday. Uh, morning, and fished for a couple hours, and I came home, and uh, uh, I, I'm not—I uh, don't want to say this and make anybody mad, but it's just the way it is. I don't have to launch a boat or do any of that kind of stuff. I, it's, I just get in my boat, go, and come home. So it makes it really easy. Amen. And when I get home, I usually uh, wash it. I wash it off with a hose, and and uh, I have a, uh, a a motor that has a deal in it where I can. A screw a water hose into it and cut the water on and and flushes it out and so it takes me about 15 minutes to get everything cleaned up and i was kind of in a hurry and i had a my key which there's a key and then there's a, a, a round rubbery thing and it's got a clip on the bottom and that's called a kill switch and when you put your key in you've got to hook the kill switch up uh, that's the way they make boats these days, so that if you, know, you fall out of a boat or something like that, you're supposed to have that thing hooked to you, which I never do. <laughs> Amen. But it cuts, the mo- it cuts the motor off. That's why it's called the kill switch. Well, anyway, uh, I've only got one of those. I've got uh, an extra key, but it takes a lot to get all that stuff put back together. And in, in my, in my hurryness, I, uh, I leaned over the boat, over the engine on the back, and I dropped that, that water plug and that key in the water. And, of course, they both, uh, 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 the, the key immediately sank all the way to the bottom. And the, the, the water plug, they call it a freeze plug, the freeze plug floated. So I just scooped it up with the net. And I thought, well, how in the world am I going to get that key? So I, I got a rod. I had a, rod, a couple of rods with me, and I had, like, a bunch of big treble hooks. So I began to kind of go around there, seeing if I could get it. And I had a net uh, that you net fish with. I got the net, and I went back and forth, back and forth. And after about 30 minutes, I, I couldn't find that key for nothing. And in the meantime, several boats went by, which meant you know, the, the, the waves coming off a boat and everything that can displace it. So I was just, oh, man, you know, i got to go down to the boat place. i got to take the key that I have. They've got to make another key and give me another one of those kill switches. I've got all this. And, you know, I don't want to be going through all that. So at prayer on Saturday night, I was praying about it. And the Lord spoke to me. And I know when God speaks to me, He spoke to me and said, I want you to go. And I want you to take, and he showed me a specific rake that hung in a specific place in my garage. And he said, I want you to take that rake, and I want you to go. And he showed me right where to do it at, and I want you to take, and you'll, you'll, you'll find your key, just like that. Well, I walked into my garage, and I looked at that rake. And right next to that rake was what I thought a better rake. Right. It was a leaf rake. It was much wider. It had better prongs on it. And I thought to myself, well, if that rake can get it, this rake can get it better. So I took that rake, and the first thing I noticed is that rake didn't sink. It floated. So I put my boat down all the way to the water, and I had to push that thing all the way down, and I went all around that motor, back and forth. There's no way if that key was under that motor, I would have missed it with that big rake. And I probably took another 30 minutes doing that, After prayer, that night, no key. So that Sunday, Sunday morning came, Sunday afternoon, I had to leave, go out of town. So when I was out of town, my times of prayer, things like that, the Lord spoke to me and said, you did not do what I told you to do the way I told you to do it. That's why you have failed. And then He said to me, that is the problem with a lot of people in the kingdom of God, is they do not do... What I tell them to do, specifically the way I tell them to do them. Therefore, they get very frustrated. They get very angry. And the Lord actually, I guess He's kind of making fun at me. He said it like this. He said they actually think they've got a better rake. Which is a better way of doing something. God tells you to do something. And you've got a better way. You've got a better way. But the problem that you have in that is that when God tells you to do something, He's going to be in it which means it's not going to be natural, it's going to be supernatural. So I I prayed and repented, and I couldn't wait to get home. And I got home, and I put that one rake up, and I got the rake he told me to get. And I went down there and put that boat down again and made one swipe, and I didn't feel anything, and immediately the enemy gets into your mind and says, yeah, you've missed it again, it wasn't God. And when I turned it and came back the other way, I heard a click, and when I pulled it up, that key and that kill switch were hanging on that rake. Now you say, well that, come on, you know, you're you're trying to equate something that really has nothing to do with God to, to, to your life. I'm telling you, you better understand God, how He works, how He speaks, and how He will deal with you. If you do not do that, you will never understand the will of God. Now, in using the term the will of God, there is a presupposition in us that there is Like, you know, people that get under the sway of the devil and all this kind of stuff. And then there's the rest of us. And then there's people that, quote, walk in the will of God. There's like, there's three dimensions on this earth of, you know, well, you know, there's people, you know, we try to lock up as many as we can because they all do bad things and they're all doing what the devil wants them to do. And then there's all the people over here that are holy rollers and this and that, and, and you know, all this kind of stuff, and they're trying to do the will of God. But then there's the rest of us who are normal. <laughs> Come on, I mean, this is the way we think. There's the re- we've got our jobs, we've got our families. We've got our careers. Hey, look, Pastor, we're just trying to pay the bills. We're just trying to keep from getting the flu this year. We're just, you know, we're just, uh, we like to come to church. But listen, as far as this will of God stuff is concerned, you know, that's, that's a little too far for me, a little too deep for me. First of all, the first thing you don't understand is ownership. Everybody say ownership. ownership. Now, did you turn to, to 1 Corinthians? Let me, let me read you a scripture and we'll, we'll take off from that point. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look there in verse... Look there in verse 19. It says what? With a question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Everybody say this. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in me. Now, that's not a theological supposition. That's not some, you know, well, you know, some... No, no, that is a truth, which means God, the Holy Spirit's, His location upon this earth is not some beautiful building somewhere, is not some secret vault in Rome, is not some mysterious place in some mountain somewhere, it's not in the Ark of the Covenant. Come on, church. Some people try to convince us that the presence of God is still in the Ark of the Covenant. It's not. Uh, Harrison Ford was wrong. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark was wrong. There was no presence in that ark. You say, well, why, how can you say that? Because the Spirit of God or God's location on this earth is in the bodies of those that are born again. Everybody say, born again. That's where God is in the earth. He abides in our physical body. Your physical body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why you ought to take care of it. I said you ought to take care of it. He said, oh, I don't care much about it. But you ought to care about God living in it. Amen. Then it says this, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Everybody say, are God's. Our God. Now I purposely missed a phrase in that next verse, but I want you to see the second verse, the last verse I'm reading here. It says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body, for your spirit uh, and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, back up to the previous verse, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. Everybody say ownership. Now, that poses a question. What right... Does any entity, spiritual, governmental, military, you come up with a phrase. What right does anyone on planet earth have to me? Government doesn't own me. My race doesn't own me. My gender doesn't own me. My state doesn't own me. Nobody owns me. I'm my own person. That's the biggest lie most people fall for. You are under the ownership of either one or two entities. One of two entities. You say, what do you mean like that? Either you are under the ownership of the human family or you're under the ownership of God. Now let me say that again. You are either under the ownership of the human family now most people say well it's fine with me I, I don't mind being a human being that's what I was called to, you know born to be as a human being therefore you know I, I don't mind I admit to it I look in the mirror I've got you know I've got a thumb I can speak I can, you know I'm a human being but the problem with being under the ownership of the human family is the owner of the human family amen you say who owns the human family well the owner of the human family is the enemy of God. Amen. Amen. The devil, Lucifer, Satan, when he calls man to sin and Adam committed the sin of high treason, he took possession or he took ownership of the human family. Now let me say that again. When Satan, However, you want to say he did it, fooled her, uh, deceived her, it does not matter. The man and the woman, we can't, you know, we can go through all the, 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 the details of what happened on that terrible day, when it happened. But at that time, before the fall, the ownership of the human family belonged to the human family. Amen. Then, when the human family bowed its knee, To the evil entity, which is the enemy of God, they sold all of us down the river. Every one of us was sold down the river and we became the property or the... Actually, you know, we, we try to tap dance around it. But let's don't tap dance around it. Let's just say it like the Bible says it. We become the slaves of evil. We become the slaves of our adversary, the devil. We become the slaves of unrighteousness. We become the slaves of immorality. You say, well, there's a lot of good people out there. That's the one thing you must understand is the willpower of the human family, the will of God, and the will of your adversary. If you don't understand the willpower of the human family or the will of your enemy or the will of your Savior, you won't understand any of this stuff. You say, what do you mean by that? All of these different things are vying for your attention. And the problem is people split it up between the three. Trying to be saved. Trying to be born again. uh, Dabbling a little bit with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then many times not using their willpower to suppress evil impulses. And those people live miserably. But if you're born again... Now listen to me. You've got to understand this. If you're born again... You do not own yourself. No, I know, listen, our, our country has a terrible history of slavery and all this kind of stuff. And people hear that word ownership and they just go crazy. Let me tell you something. You say, well, who makes up these rules? Who comes up with these laws? I don't know. But I know this. God is the one that enforces them. And you're not going to go around His truth nor His sovereignty, nor His divine ability, and think you can break off and do something on your own and not be affected by the human family, Satan or God. It's all going to have an effect upon you. So when you begin to understand as a born-again Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, you are not your own, you are born with you are you are bought with a price. You say what was that price? It was the most expensive price ever paid for anything in the universe. It was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that purchased you. That's how valuable you are to God. You are so valuable to God that he used the blood of his own son to purchase you, and the Bible calls the purchasing process redemption. Amen. So once you're born again, you belong to the Lord. Now that poses many questions. All right, now that I'm saved, what do I do? Now I remember being born again as a young child, and but one thing I can say this: as as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old. Uh, 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 11, 12, 13, 14, about 14 or 15, I started getting away from the Lord. I really never considered the will of God. I wish I would have. Maybe it would have had a greater impact on my decisions. But we must understand there are two things that literally are the thermostats of our behavior when it comes to how far we yield to God or to how far we yield to the flesh, the world, and the devil. You say, what is that? It's your willpower. Listen, there are people who have used their willpower to suppress every evil impulse that ever came into their mind. I mean, they don't cuss they don't do drugs, they don't drink alcohol, they don't beat their wives, they've raised their children, they put their kids through college, they bless blessed their grandchildren, but they've died and they've gone to a sinner's hell because they did not use their willpower to yield to a Savior and they did not use it to recognize they were a sinner in need of a Savior. And that's one thing about God, He does not usurp human will. And then there are those that get born again, but never consider that God has a will for them apart from their own will that was developed by their human experience. Now let me say that again. There are those that are born again and never consider that there is a will of God for them apart from the will of their human experience. So therefore, many of them do this. They use their willpower to try and be good as they serve God, but they use their talents, their abilities, and their money to to chase after their own ambition and ego. Amen? You say, well, what difference does that make? God's got a better plan for you. God's got a better way for you. God's got a a better way of doing things in your life. Now, I was in praying over this teaching on this, there's a couple of points, strong points that we need to make. Now let me just say this. Your current problem is not an indicator of whether you're in the will of God or out of the will of God. Now let me say that again. See, because people that are here just a little bit of teaching on this and go, that's my problem. I'm out of the will of God. That's why I've been fighting the flu. That's why we ain't got any money. That's why we can't pay our bills. That's why we can't do this. That's why we can't do that. Now, now if you'll go study the Apostle Paul, you'll see that in the will of God, he was whipped. He was tortured. He was stuck on a ship that, that, almost, that almost went under and killed everybody. But the grace of God was so strong upon his life that whatever the adversary tried to bring against him that was counter to the will of God, he was able to use authority and the power of the Holy Ghost to overcome it. And the thing about being in the will of God is this, it does not exempt you from any of the crises of life. It does not exempt you from financial problems. It does not exempt you from the flu. It does not exempt you from the, uh, 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 you name it, whatever disease, it does not exempt you from any of that, but what it does do, it gives you a platform to stand in, in which you can exercise the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost in order to overcome it supernaturally. Amen. Because a lot of people, as soon as, as soon as a lot of Flack starts coming into their life. They'll hear some teaching on the will of God. They'll think, that's what I need to do. I need to get into the will of God. So they'll start praying. They'll start coming to church. They'll start reading their Bible. They'll start tithing. They'll start offering. And next thing you know, the enemy comes into their life and starts to beat their brains out. They start having family problems. They start having financial problems. They start having physical problems. And they come to the conclusion of this. Man, I'll tell you what, it ain't worth it. Amen? But in reality, the enemy knows that a believer in the will of God will suppress darkness upon the earth just like Jesus did when He walked on the earth. Therefore, He's going to do anything and everything He can do to keep you out of the will of God. Because if you can get in the will of God, your faith is going to work, your authority is going to work, God's power is going to work, the anointing is going to work, and eventually you're going to fight your way out of your current problems, and you'll find on the other side of your current problems are more problems. he say, Pastor, I'm just believing God. I'm going to get to the place where I ain't got any problems in the, on this earth. No financial problems, physical problems, mental problems, any kind. And that day will come. But you won't be here. Your body will be here, but it will be vacant. The Holy Ghost would have left, and you would have left. Can I get a better amen than that? Now, with that in mind, let's go to the book of Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Everybody say the will of God. God. Now I wanted to begin. There were several scriptures I could have used as a jumping off place. But let me just say this. It is imperative that you as a believer do everything you can do to get into God's will for your life. Now let me say that again. It is imperative that you as a believer, and as we go through this teaching, you'll see that there are things unique to all of us. You say, what do you mean by that? Something, there are things that all of us do that include us all in the will of God. I call it the generic will of God. That which is of God that every believer is supposed to be practicing and doing. Then there's the specific will of God. I've categorized it over the years like this. You're calling, everybody say you're calling, and all of us have the same calling. But then there's our destiny, everybody say destiny. Everybody has a different destination in the kingdom. Amen. So I I felt in my spirit to begin with the prayer in the New Testament that helps us understand God's desire and willingness to not only show His will to us, but implement it in our lives as we cooperate with it. Now, look at verse verse 8 there. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now notice that again. That you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now now notice that again. That you might be what? Filled, not with His will. Did you get that? Not with His will. That you would be filled with the knowledge of His will. Everybody say knowledge. knowledge. So what you need when it comes to the will of God for your life is knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Knowledge. Now, here's the thing. If it says that we might be filled, that must mean there there must be places in life where we're empty. Or we only have a little bit. Well, only only like have a quarter of a tank, or half a tank, or three quarters. No, God wants you filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom. Now notice the word knowledge. If I say knowledge. So all of a sudden the information comes into your life. You begin to get knowledge of the will of God. Secondly, you need wisdom to implement it. So you're filled with knowledge and you're filled with wisdom. And notice notice the other phrase here. I like the other phrase. Spiritual understanding. Now, the will of God in your life is something spiritual. Now let me say that again. The will of God in your life is something spiritual. That is spiritual. Now, I don't know your story. I know mine better than anybody else does because it's mine. Thirty-something years ago, I got right with God after being away from God for over a decade. I got right with God on a Wednesday night, prayed and asked the Lord back into my life, knew that He had brought me back into fellowship, forgiven everything that I had done, and... My parents had come in from church, shared that, shared what would happen uh, with them. Then went and got in bed. And in bed, two words came to my mind. Now what? (laughs) And those two words opened up a floodgate of thought. I mean a floodgate of thought. Every kind of thought you could think of. Now what financially? Now what physically? Now what job wise? Now what? Now what? Now what? Now, Now. And the thing was, I had no answer for now what? Amen? I had no answer. I was just, what I was trying to do was to make it from Wednesday to Sunday. Because I knew on Sunday... I had already made the decision to go to church with my parents and when the preacher preached, to come up in the altar and publicly make a confession of faith and a confession of repentance toward God. That's all I knew I was supposed to do. I knew it like I knew my name. I knew it. I knew this is what I'm supposed to do. I had one suit of clothes, a nice suit like you'd wear to church from from Walter Pies. How many remember Walter Pies downtown? Anybody remember Walter Pies? It was a heart, chapter, and marks. You know, the three Hebrew children? Heart, chapter, and Mark. None of y'all get that. Anyway, a uh, 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 dark suit with a tie. I had a white shirt. And I don't know what kind of shoes. I don't even remember. And I remember I didn't even... Uh, the praise and worship. I didn't know the songs. I, I looked in the book and really didn't, you know, didn't... Think much of praise and worship. The preacher preached, really didn't know what he preached. But when he finished and said, if there's anybody here that would like to give their heart to the Lord or come by, I was already out the aisle and coming down the aisle. I just knew it was the will of God to do that. Amen. And so after all of that, you know, I knew we were gonna go out to eat. I knew we were gonna come back on Sunday night and go to church again. Uh, I'd go to my room in the in quiet, in the quiet time these two words would come to my mind now what now what And I was like well I'm gonna try to make it to the service tonight and I got up that night and I went to church I don't remember what they preached on don't remember what they sang after it was over I went home we had a snack Went in my bedroom lay down on my bed Two words came to my mind. Now what? And I didn't know how to answer that. And the next day, my mom said, you know they have a little prayer meeting over on 45th Street. uh, At the, uh, what is that, the boys club? Boys club over there. A little uh, prayer group called the Galveston Christian Center. And so I knew in my mind, I was supposed to go there. I knew it. How, how does the will of God come? With knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. So as I as I as I heard that invitation, I knew I was supposed to go to that meeting. So I went to that meeting. And in that meeting, I met a man named F. E. Ward. And F. E. Ward gave me these glowing prophecies. Wow. They were awesome. And everybody rejoiced that Rusty was. Serving God now and repenting from all of His evil deeds. And and I came home that Monday night and, and I went into my bedroom and two words came into my mind. Now what? Amen? And I've lived 35 years, 34 years in the will of God. And when I go home tonight in the quietness of my room, as Lee and I fall asleep, two words will come to my mind. You say, what are those two words? Now what? Now what? You say, what do you mean by that? The two words that I've figured out in the last 34 years, now what, means this. What do you choose? What do you choose? So you must understand that the knowledge of the will of God begins with a choice. And every time you mess up that choice, you move further from it. But every time you obey that choice, you move closer into it. And the problem with a lot of people is they've they've wasted so much time going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with all of the now what's. Amen? And they've never allowed the now what. To be answered by the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Amen. Because now, listen, you got to understand. I'm just like anybody else, man. I'm I'm looking at my life. I'm at that time I was 28 years old. I I had been uh, almost six years in the cable TV industry. I was a technician. Uh, I I was not working at the time, I needed a job, I I needed to make income, I'd I'd moved back uh, uh, home with my parents, I'd had a failed marriage, I'd had all kinds of problems in my life. And, and, you know, when you've got, I was in debt, I I, I had uh, other issues that were going on that I needed to to rectify, I had all, all kinds of stuff that was going on. And every problem was exacerbated by my inability now to do anything about them. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any income. There's nothing I could do about my debt. There was, there was literally, literally no way I, I, me, could do anything. So I had to start coming up with plans and ideas and things to do. And how am I going to do this and how am I going to do that? And all of a sudden, things begin to come into my life. The first thought I had in my mind was this. Uh, Ten years before, when I was 16, 17, and 18, I was uh, 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 involved in rodeo. I rode bulls. I did, I did very well. Now I thought, I'll go back to that. You know the old bull rider's term, too lazy to work, too nervous to steal. It's only eight seconds, amen? So I made a decision. Uh, I, I got a, a, a magazine and looked in the back. And back then, now they're very popular. They're bull riding schools all over the country. Back then, there was only one in Henrietta, Oklahoma. Jim Shoulders, 16-time six time world champion cowboy. So I, I, I got in my car, and I drove up to Henrietta, Oklahoma. But in the same time, Brother Hagin was doing a prayer conference on the campus of Rhema Bible Training Institute. So during the daytime, I was at bull riding school, and at night, I was in a Holy Ghost meeting. Amen. And every night, I was presented with the same challenge. Now what? And what I was doing is I was trying to get God to conform to my will instead of me conforming to God's will. Amen? And I survived rodeo school because that's what it... you got to survive it. Amen? I got my certificate, got my t-shirt, and left. And I thought, well, now I'm... You know, I was tuned up. I rode a couple of good bulls. I thought... You know, let's go. we we'll the get on the circuit. Uh, Gillies back then did a jackpot bull riding. First place paid fifteen hundred, second Second place $1,000. Third place $500. I thought, hey, all three of those sound good to me. I drove up there. I called on the phone, got in the jackpot bull riding. They said, you can pay your fee when you come, when the drawing takes place. I drove up there. All the cowboys sitting on the buck and shoot. I began to walk in. I asked where the office was, where the drawing was going to take place. They said, well, it's strange that you ask. They've canceled the jackpot bull riding tonight. The same week I had called up to Laporte, Texas. A, 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 a Southwestern Rodeo Association rodeo was happening. They had done for 20-something years in, in, in Laporte, Texas. I called up there to see which night I would be riding, whether Thursday night, Friday night. If you rode on Thursday night or Friday night, then you made the finals on Saturday night. I called up there, they said, it's funny that you called Mr. Martin for the first time since uh, the rodeo's been going on the last 20 years. The JCs of LaPorte, Texas has decided to cancel it this year, (laughs) which shocked me. Because my rodeo on Wednesday was canceled. Now my rodeo on Thursday is canceled. And I get in my car to drive home and God the Father speaks to me. It's not an audible voice, but I almost looked in the back seat to see if somebody was back there. And the words were this, I will cancel every rodeo from here to Calgary until you make a decision to do my will. Well, that's pretty strong, I thought. Amen? Amen? So two words popped in my mind. Everybody say two words. Now what? So all these people that were coming in and out of my life that had, uh, were serving God, were Christians, were, 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 were in ministry, were always prophesying this ministry stuff, which had gotten into me way back when I was 17 years old at a time in which I'd been away from God, got caught doing all kinds of negative things, and the Lord gave me a word from heaven which talked about ministry. And this ministry came a ministry came like ministry, ministry, I don't want anything to do with ministry. I don't like preachers, I don't like ministers, I don't like them. I don't want to be in the ministry. And literally, a clarion moment took place in my mind and in my spirit when it comes to the will of God. You say, what is that? It will come at you in such a way in which it will invade the area of your life which you protect the most and think that is your greatest asset. It's My greatest asset. I can do this. I can do this. I was, I was, I was 28, I thought, man... By the end of this year, I'll have my PRCA card. And by, by the end of the next year, I can be in the finals at, 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 in Las Vegas. Well, that, that God pulled me out of that. Next thing I knew, a guy came to me with a cable TV offer. At that time, cable TV had not been put in most hotels. This would have been 1984. Outside, what they call outside pre-wiring was very simple. Literally, coaxial cable, which you just basically clip to the side of a building. You drill a hole. You run it into the TV. You hook it to a little converter. It all comes to a central place right there on the hotel. And you take a drop off of the the highline wire, hook it to that amplifier, and it goes all through the hotel. They were going to pay me $100 a room. That's a lot of money. Because I could probably do, within a week, I would say within a week I could do at least 500 rooms. I could probably do a 400 to 500 room motel in a week. A lot of money. But I knew. Everybody say, through knowledge and wisdom. But I knew that was a trap. I knew it. I knew if I did that, I was going to make money, but it wouldn't be a couple of weeks, I'd be right back in that same lifestyle. And I'll never forget, on the phone, telling that guy, no and him saying to me are you crazy do you not understand what i am telling you let me lay it out for you again and i said you don't have to i'm not going to do it he said what are you going to do and it came out of my mouth before i thought about it i said i'm going to bible school and when i hung up the phone i thought to myself oh my god What did I just say? Amen. Everybody say through knowledge and through wisdom. So Bible school. Did I say Bible school? So in July of 1984, I went back up to to, uh, Oklahoma. This time I went to Broken Arrow. And I went purposely to Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost Seminar right around July the 4th. And I stayed uh, around some people that were close to our family that had words of the Lord for me and all this kind of stuff. And I had an invitation to go to Rhema Bible Training Center. Wonderful Bible school up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Which I felt like was my right and my heritage. And and the Lord uh, uh, spoke to me and told me, you're not going to go to Rhema. And I thought but Lord, you told me I'm going to Bible school. He said, but you're not going to Rhema. I said, but Lord, I want to go to Rhema. He says, I don't care what you want. Do you want my will? And I remember driving home from Tulsa thinking, now what? And when I got home on a Tuesday afternoon, my sister who was living up in Houston came home and had a brochure from Lakewood Church And the three letters on the top were LBI, Lakewood Bible Institute. I read it, full-time Bible school. It was going to start in September. This was in July of the year. And I read it and set it on my nightstand and fell asleep and had a dream. And when I was dreaming, I saw myself in that class at Lakewood Church. I saw Brother Osteen standing in a suit behind the pulpit teaching that class. And I knew that I knew that I knew that's what I was supposed to do. How does the will of God come? Through knowledge. And the problem is you have to recognize the knowledge when it comes. The knowledge of what to do and the knowledge of what not to do. You say, well, that takes years. Listen, I was doing it. I was doing it the next day after I got right with God. Don't tell me you can't do it. Don't tell me you can't hear the Word of God. Don't tell me you can't have the knowledge of God imparted into your spirit. The problem is so many Christians have had the knowledge of God so many times in their spirit and rejected it that it has calloused their heart. And now their heart is calloused to the knowledge of God, which makes it hard to find the will of God. You say, well, what do I do if that's me? Here's your answer right here in this prayer. Every day... You need to get up and you need to pray. I still pray this prayer over myself every day. I have been praying this prayer for 34 years. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the knowledge of your will and all spiritual understanding that I may walk worthy of you, Lord, that I might be fruitful in every good work and that I might increase in the knowledge of God. What knowledge is it talking about? The same knowledge that gets you into His will which means the will of God is progressive from the day you get into it to the day you go to your reward and pass it on to the next generation. See, we're not, we think we're all here out of some you know, strange circumstance. No, 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 no. We're here because there were men of God in days gone by that fulfilled the will of God for their life. Amen. The Kenneth Hagans, the John Osteens, the Earl Roberts, the T.L. Osborns, the Lester Summerall's, that all... Got into the will of God and fought to stay there and pass this glorious doctrine on to the next generation. We are a product of that. We are a product of men that got in the will of God. I'm telling you, not every church can say that. There are a lot of churches that are not, that are not products of men that were in the will of God, they're products of their denomination. They're products of theology that has been guarded for hundreds of years. And I like what one preacher said about it. He says, what they do in that situation is rejoice over what God did years ago while rejecting what He's doing today. So what you have to make a decision is, in your life, is this. How bad do I want the knowledge of God and the will of God in my life? Now, let me just say this. Everyone in here, it is my prayer for you that you want it so bad you don't know what to do. And if you don't, I'm going to pray that God will give it to you. You say, why is that? The alternative to being a believer, a born-again Christian, and living outside the will of God is dire. Now let me say that again. Being a born-again Christian on the earth, at a time, a day, and an hour, in which so much knowledge is available, so much out there that you can do, so many opportunities to be fruitful in the kingdom, and you just say, well, I'm not going to do that, then what other will are you going to yield to? Because you you will yield to a will. Now let me say that again. You will yield to a will. And it's either going to be the will of God that you yield to and fight to find it, and fight to stay in it, and fight to do it, and fight to understand it, and fight for the knowledge, and fight for the wisdom, Are you just let go, apathetic, complacent, and you will just fall into the human will. And when you fall into the human will, being a believer, it's like you're in a royal family in which your benevolent king wants to give you everything that he has, but you choose to pack up your bags and go to the worst side of the town and live with the most impoverished family. Now, nobody in the right mind would do that, would they? But people do it all the time in the kingdom. So, what you should do between now and next Wednesday, or now and next Sunday, pray about the will of God in your life. Ask yourself, how bad do I want the will of God? How bad do I want it? Like we said, it doesn't mean that all your problems are going to be over. Doesn't mean you instantaneously get healed. Doesn't mean instantaneously you get all this money into your uh, financial bank account. What it means is you are now placing your life and your future in the hands of correct ownership. Yes, now, let me say that again. What you are doing. As you are placing your life, your plans, your will, in the hands of correct ownership. You say, why is that? God owns you. You belong to Him. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And I guarantee you, God, now listen to me, values you more than you value yourself. Let me say that again. Some of you need to hear that. God values you and wants the best for you more than you value or want the best for yourself. I mean, my my life away from God was full of self-destruction. And every hour, day, month, minute, second that you live outside the will of God, You're living in the arena of self-destruction. And we we don't want to tell that to people. That's too hard. That's too tough to say. That's too difficult. You can't tell people that, Pastor Rusty. But people must be told that so that they'll understand that's literally how the kingdom of God operates in the earth. God wants you in His will. He wants to pull you to His heart. He wants to embrace you and hold you. He wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to lay out a plan for you that your mind cannot comprehend. He wants to show you how it's going to happen. He wants to walk you through it day after day after day after day. In the obstacles, He wants you to help you overcome it. When there's hindrance, He wants to remove it. When the devil rises up, He wants you to take authority over it. He wants to do everything He can do to hold you up on the earth. As a person that unashamedly would say, I'm in the will of God. And this is what God can do in somebody's life. Right here in Jesus' name. Amen? Praise God. you love the Lord? Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Father, we bless your name tonight. Now, Lord, we pray over Island Church for the knowledge of your will in all spiritual understanding that we may walk worthy of you, Lord, be fruitful in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. We desire your will As individuals, we desire your will as families. We desire your will as a church. We desire your will as your children. We recognize, we realize that a purchase has been made and we've been redeemed from the fallen human family and the ownership of an evil entity. And we've been given by your Son Jesus unto you, Heavenly Father as the gift of redemption the new birth the greatest miracle anybody could ever receive we receive and believe it in Jesus name and everyone says now everybody lift one hand up to heaven keep your eyes closed pray this out loud Heavenly Father tonight I declare your ownership in my life Jesus is my Lord and my Savior I believe it in my heart, I confess it with my mouth. I declare, I am born again. I'm in the family of God. Jesus is my Redeemer. And in His name, I declare tonight that the will of God, that which God wants me to be, that which God wants me to do, will be preeminent upon my mind. And by the knowledge that He imparts and the wisdom that He grants I will discover enter into and remain in God's will the rest of my life. Thank You for it. In Jesus' name Amen. Amen. Father, thank You for tonight for Your words. Thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your anointing. As we leave tonight we continually proclaim our protection and safety. Thanking you, Father, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us in our travels and in the righteous labor of our hands. We thank you, Father, no evil plans of wicked men, no problems, situations, circumstances, tragedies, or calamities come nigh us in any way. But you, Father, through your angelic host, bear us up Least at any time, we should dash our foot against a stone. Thank you, Father, for protection, for safety, and for blessing. Thank you for a door of utterance. Let us go forth from this place, thanking you, Father, that each and every one of us are available to you to be used at any time, to be a blessing to the people, a problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life, an answer to somebody's prayer. We thank you, Father, as we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah.